All right. Well, this is um, week four, countdown to Pentecost, and um, if if you want to, if you have your Bibles, just go ahead and turn to First Corinthians chapter six. We're going to be reading a passage out of that chapter, and the previous weeks we've been talking about what happened in Pentecost in Acts chapter one, Acts chapter two, and how Jesus told the disciples to wait until they receive the promise of the Father, until they receive power from on high and they prayed tongues of fire came a, a violent rushing wind came into the room and tongues of fire rested over their head and they were filled with the Holy Spirit Peter preached the sermon at Pentecost 3,000 were saved and um, you know that's a very brief summary of what of what happened in, in those first couple of chapters but what we've been learning is that when God, that fire symbolizes God consecrating or setting apart temple spaces. So it happened throughout the Old Testament with the burning bush, Mount Sinai, uh, the, the tent of meeting, Solomon's temple, Isaiah, Daniel saw the Ancient of Days, and uh, and on and on and up and up to Pentecost. And so. Uh, Jesus or John the Baptist said of Jesus that he came to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so when Jesus ascended at the right hand of the Father and, and the disciples waited, that was what that was the promise that, that came upon them was that baptism of fire and the Holy Spirit. And so along with the power of the Holy Spirit comes a, a setting apart of being a temple space and, and as you read in Exodus and Leviticus and the, and the way that they anointed the temple articles you know the altar the the basins and all these different articles that were actually consecrated they would take time to consecrate each vessel for the Lord's purposes and, and it's, it's really no different for, for us you know so in the New Testament Paul says that we're like earthenware vessels were like clay pots that contain this magnificent glory uh, of the Lord of, through the Holy Spirit abiding and, and resting in us and so um, so we learned so this is part of what we're learning that we're God's temple and we also learned you know last week that that being God's temple comes with not only the joy and peace and righteousness that comes with God's spirit, but also comes with this responsibility of stewarding that with an honest heart. And I think that God, he's so gracious when we come to him with our faults, with our, our warts and our, the things that are mess are our messes and all those types of things. The one thing that inhibits his grace is is not being honest with the Lord and, and trying to hide things and and just, just like Jessica said humility is the megaphone for grace and and the scripture behind that is you know found in James and Peter you know he gives grace to the humble but opposes the proud and so really the 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 way to get on um, to receive the grace of God is to simply humble yourself which means being honest being transparent and and letting the Lord know, confessing to him what he already knows anyways. That's all he's wanting to do is just have a relationship. And you can't have a good, healthy relationship if there's no honesty. 
And so you had uh, Leviticus 10, Nadab and Abihu uh, brought strange fire um, before the Lord. And, and the Lord, it said that fire came out before the Lord and consumed them. And then you have Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament lied to Peter about what they sold the property for and what they were giving. Both of them in the New Covenant dropped dead. And so it's a it's a serious thing to be vessels of God's glory. And so we, we need that healthy fear of the Lord that which Proverbs says is the beginning of wisdom. Is to fear the Lord above all else. And that means that you listen to the Lord and allow him to define what life and blessing and and joy and peace looks like. And so, um, you know, I was talking with a friend this past week and he was commenting about Nadab and Abihu in Leviticus 10. And, and some translations call that unauthorized fire. And my friend commented, he said, it just sounds like it was something that they invented, that it was like man's invention. And, uh, and ultimately, and I thought that was a great insight because ultimately, man, when we try to do things our own way, when God has instructed us and guided us into a different way, really all that boils down to is uh, rebellion, and, and which is rooted in pride and, and is the original sin. But this, mor uh, this morning, I want to talk about First uh, Corinthians 6, about us being temples of the Holy Spirit and and this has been building up in the in the previous weeks and so part in the book of first and second Corinthians Paul is talking to uh, uh, writing to believers in Corinth and they're coming out of a culture that's full of paganism it's full of uh, cultic activity that's um, involves sexual cultic practices and so they would go to they would actually go to their pagan temples and and sleep with prostitutes as a form of, of worship and the world system you know which is uh the bible calls babylon and, and is full the, the one of the hallmarks of the world system is sexual immorality and when you read revelations you, you read about babylon it's the hallmark of uh of jezebel who's kind of a, a figurehead of that, it's, but it's the hallmark of, of Babylon is, is a rampant sexual immorality. And 1 Corinthians 6 uh, addresses this. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and read out. We're going to read out of there. And so we're going to start in verse 9 of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the Spirit of our God. And so, what Paul is doing here, and what, what the Holy Spirit's doing through Paul, is drawing very clear boundary lines for what life in Christ looks like. Because these people needed them. Because what they were doing is blending 
their Christianity, along with their old religion of the, the, their pagan practices, which included sleeping with temple prostitutes. Excuse me. And so as we're, we're praying for revival, we're praying for awakening. As this awakening comes, I mean, I was looking at my kids, they, the, the bedroom they sleep in, at least uh, this time of year, I don't see how they sleep past eight o'clock because their light, their, their room is, is bright with sunlight. And I, it's, it's a natural way for them to, to wake up is the sunlight coming into their room. And so as God's light increases in the earth, awakening is going to increase. And so, but as God's presence increases, what's revealed is in, uh, is going to increase. So I used to, wash windows with a, a friend who had a window washing business back in Fort Worth and we would clean the windows and it, it looked spotless and then we would hold it in the sunlight and you could see all these streaks and all these places that we had missed and it's the same with God's presence everything that's hidden will be revealed and so awakening increases God's presence increases his light increases um, I, at, at the same time, idols are going to be revealed. And I think part of being prepared for revival and for the Lord's return, which I don't know when that is, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to, um, make that my only message, but it's the Bible is very clear to, to be looking towards that day and, and have our hearts prepared in that, in that manner. And so. Um, so Paul's he in this scripture that we just read, he, he makes a list of people that won't inherit the kingdom of God. And so he's, there's swindlers, there's greedy, there's drunkards, there's revilers, there's idolaters, adulterers, and, and homosexuals. And so homosexuality, I want, I want to talk about sexual immorality and homosexuality because out of this whole list only one of these is being accepted in a large part of the church and that's homosexuality and in some places the uh, other forms of sexual immorality like pornography and fornication but people they would say hey stealing not good being greedy, not good. Being an addict, not good. Reviling people, slandering people, no, that's not good. Cheating people out of money, that's not good. But then we get to, to homosexuality, and now the, a large part of the church is calling good what God is calling evil. And so I want you to, to hear me out on this because I, I have compassion that for people that struggle with uh, with different forms of sexual immorality, because that's what I myself was in bondage with for for 17 years, and so I understand that this is uh, that homosexuality, same-sex attraction, gender confusion is is things that people have not necessarily asked for, and so I, I get that and I understand that, and at the same time. If God calls it evil and not part of the kingdom of God, 
then there must be healing and there must be restoration and redemption available through Jesus Christ for those things. And so, um, you know, this, so the struggle with these particular sins is real. And, um, you know, I, I personally believe that we're all addicts of some kind before we come to Jesus. And in the very least, if you're not, if God didn't save you from drug addiction, if he didn't save you from sexual immorality, then in the very least, he saved you from serving yourself. And that's a whole nother, that's another idolatry and addiction that, that most of us are still fighting off is, is serving, being self-serving. And so the great news is, is Paul is saying that the Corinthian church was made up of people who were formerly trapped in these things. He said, and, and such you were, this, these are the things that you were trapped in. But Jesus Christ has set you free. And so the promise is freedom for those who are, who are struggling with these things. And so just as, but as a, as a pastor, as a preacher of God's word, I can't, um, for the sake of wanting people to feel good and comfortable, I can't call evil good and, and good evil in, in, in God's sight because he knows what's best for us. He is a loving father and he wants us to be healed and made whole. We're all broken. We're all hypocrites. We all need healing. We all have our messes. And, and so it's just like we wouldn't call stealing and being an, an, an addict we wouldn't be promoting that in the church. It's the same way we should be promoting sexual immorality and homosexuality in the church as well. So I want to continue reading in verse 12. It says, Paul says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I would be not be dominated by anything. Paul, in other places, he says, that which overcomes you is that what you love and, and that is is what you were a slave to that which overcomes you is that which you're a slave to so i want to be overcome by the love of jesus christ i want to be led around by the love of jesus christ i want you know is you know we're, we're all we're created beings and so we were created for a purpose we were created to share in the inheritance that God created for us, that that He restored back to us through Jesus Christ. And so in verse 13 it says, Food is meant for the stomach and stomach for food, saying, Hey, this is this is why this was created. Your stomach is created for food. It's not created for sports. It's not created for uh, makeup. I'm throwing out ridiculous examples here, but bear with me. Is created for food, and that's it. This is Paul. He's trying to he's trying to make it really easy to understand for us. And he says, and God will destroy both one and the other. And the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. So he's like saying, look, stomach made for food. Everybody can see that, right? Your body was made for nothing else other than for the one who created it. The, the Lord, Jesus Christ, the Father. Your body was made for no other purpose than for Him. 
And so verse 14, it says, God raised the Lord and will also raise us by his power. He's saying, listen, if God brought back Jesus from the dead, then what? When you're dead in your sins, you feel like you're dead and you're trapped in a tomb of oppression and addiction and bondage. Then guess what? He can raise you up out of that tomb and bring you new life. That's what he's saying. Verse 15, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? We are a part of Jesus Christ. We're not separate from him any longer. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But, and then we'll finish in 17. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. So you're a spirit being with, the, with a body. And God made, when you have sexual union, there is, a, there is a two becoming one in that physical union. As that physical union happens, your spirits are joining together and you are becoming one with whoever you are joining yourself with. That's the way God created us to be, to be joined spirit to spirit. And because God created our body, we're meant and destined and he longs for us to be joined with him. But when we join with someone else, when we join with someone outside of marriage, someone we haven't made covenant with before God, we become one with them and we haven't made this covenant with them. And so a lot of times it um, un wounding, unhealthy uh, relational dynamics, pain, confusion, because you're, you're one with a person that you're not meant to be with. You're one with a person that maybe you, you, you only knew for five hours. And you're, as you did, a, as maybe you had a one night stand in the, in a, you left and you never seen that person again. Well, there's that person that you knew for five hours that has a part of your spirit. And when you don't have all of yourself, you don't know who you are. You're confused. I've been there. I know exactly what it feels like to be confused. To have my spirit, part of my spirit with someone that's not meant to be my wife. And it's confusing. All right. And the good news is Jesus raised me from the dead because when I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, he brought me, he made me whole again. He brought my spirit back to me. And whenever I walked down the aisle with Jessica, I felt like I really felt like a virgin walking down the aisle. And it was because of the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. And so because our, the dynamics of our spirit do that whenever we, we physically join, our spirits join, whenever we receive Christ, we become one with him. And so our bodies were not meant to be used in any other way than God designed them. And so we have to realize that our bodies are not our own. Our bodies are God's temple. And, and so we have to, uh, a good way to look at this is that we don't own anything. You don't own your body. As a Christian, 
you've you've agreed when you've exchanged your life for God's life in you you exchange your dead old lifeless life for the for the eternal life that's found in Jesus Christ then you agreed to own nothing you don't own your finances you don't own your children you don't own your bodies God gets to decide what you do with those things and so even um, when confronted with, you know, at some of my days when I, the Lord was asking me to do maybe an extended fast, I was like, Lord, this is, I'm going to, I'm going to lose weight. And I, I was really didn't want to lose weight because I'm trying to keep as a personal trainer and as a guy who loved sports, I was trying to keep all the muscle mass I could. I wasn't trying to lose it. And I had to come to a place of surrendering that to the Lord where I was like, okay, if I get uh, skinny and I lose strength, then so be it. And um, so just things like that, that we have to surrender to the Lord. And so when we, if we realize we own nothing, it, it really puts us in a place to receive and, 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 and it gives us freedom. I remember Will Smith talking about his son, Jaden Smith. This was years ago. And Jaden was like, man, you know, Jaden was talking about being rich and the things that he could do because he was rich. And Will Smith said, he said, no, nah, son, you broke. You broke. Me and mom, we're rich. And I was like, that's so true. Like, Jaden, you don't have any money, buddy. Your mom and daddy got money. And it's the same way with us. It's like, listen, on our own, we try to do life on our own. We broke. We broke. But we do life. We, we stay in the Father's house. We stay under the Father's covering. We get all the we get the the prosperity that comes with that. Prosperity of body, mind, and soul and spirit. Back to verse 18 in chapter 6. It says, flee from sexual immorality. Now I just want to stop here. This is one of those sins that you don't you don't fool around with. You you run in the opposite direction. And so, you know, if it's something that you have you don't have complete freedom of, you don't go around those things. You don't walk by the strip club. You don't watch movies that are, are lustful and, and 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 have scenes that are very um, sexual and sexually driven and lust, lustfully driven and on and on. I don't want to go through a list of that. But every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. So whether it's adultery, whether it's pornography, uh, fornication, homosexuality, you're sinning against your own body. You're actually destroying your own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. And I just want to be clear. Homosexuality doesn't remove you from God any more than being addicted to yourself does. It doesn't remove you. It doesn't, it's not a greater sin than stealing. It's not a greater sin than adultery. It's sin. And it just has to come under the blood. 
and just as easy as it is to set somebody free from themselves and, and, and being selfish and complaining, it's just as easy to set someone free from homosexuality. And the problem that the difference between homosexuality and this other list that Paul had is it's bound to identity. And that's why it has such a strong hook and that's why it has such a strong movement behind it in the LGBTQ community. And, and, and part of our job as the church, the reason people run to the LGBTQ community is because they find acceptance there and they find love. But the way that they live life is destructive and, and, and the whole and everything that they're running, that they're trying to find hope for, it, it, they find that it's, that community just keeps promoting more sexual immorality, which further hurts the heart and causes destruction. But as the church, we don't need to be scared to welcome people who are struggling with these things, uh, just like we wouldn't be scared of anything else because Jesus is the answer. He is the answer. And, and later on after this broadcast, we're gonna, or during, at the end of this broadcast, we're gonna put up in the comments resources for people who are struggling with uh, same-sex attraction, gender confusion, sexual morality, um, and try to point you in a direction if, if that's something that you're really having trouble with, that you can find healing because I, I just, I know that um, God healed me from sexual immorality. It wasn't of the homosexual variety, but I was in bondage to it. I had no power over it until Jesus came to set me free. And so it says, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, you don't have to turn there, but I'm just going to read this real quickly. It says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and God's spirit dwells within you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy. You are holy. Say that right now over yourself. I am holy. I am holy. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't dwell anywhere that isn't holy. Because that's who he is. He can't do it. He can't dwell anywhere else. But because you've been washed by the blood, you've been made clean, you've been made holy. And as you when you believe that about yourself, you'll behave that way. You can't try to behave before you believe. You gotta believe so you can behave. And that puts the end to the striving. And, and, and ultimately, you need an encounter with Jesus. So let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with, to God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. So to prosper in our inner life in this world, we really need to become fools in the eyes of God. I want to tell you something that I found in my almost 43 years of living, which isn't, you know, I'm technically middle-aged now. But what I found in my experience is that what typically is popular in the world, Jesus is walking in the other direction. And, and so when people are saying, you know, 
the list is, I, I've got this list this, this long in my mind. But when they're saying it's okay, like, you know, uh, free love, you know, even like you go back to the 60s and, and, and a lot of that thought is perpetuated now. Hey, you can have sex with people because you, if you love that person, it's totally fine. That's what that was created for. That's a lie. That's just a lie. And sometimes you have to stand up and and uh, be willing to go against the grain and say, I'm saving myself for marriage. And people will be like, well, don't you, or if they love you, what's the difference? And, and they don't have to understand. They don't need to understand. You just sit there and you be a light. And, and you stand firm. And God will honor you because you're humbling you, yourself under his mighty hand. And so... But when we step out and, and, and follow in the ways of Jesus, you have to know, because this is going to help you, that you're going to be challenged. It's going to be uncomfortable at times. You might feel awkward. You might even feel foolish at times, and you might be misunderstood. And guess what? You're not the first person. Jesus went through all of that. He was misunderstood. He was challenged. He uh, went against the grain. He went against the pop. People were mocking him when he was on the cross saying, why don't you save yourself if you are the son of God challenging his identity? And so Jesus is, our, he's the forerunner. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. And so before I, I pray for us, um, if uh, we're going to put some the resources in the comments, there, there's a few websites and a few books. Um, one's KenWilliamsMinistries.com. Uh, he is a uh, man who came out of same-sex attraction for years, battled it, and but did not give up. The Lord healed him, restored him. He's been married 14 years, has kids, loves his wife is attracted to women. Uh, there's a change movement, which is changemovement.com, which is testimonies and stories of people coming out of uh, same-sex attraction lifestyles, homosexual lifestyles, gender confusion. And then uh, there's a lizgflaherty.com, who's a woman actually based out of South Carolina, who, uh, same kind of story as Ken Williams. So, uh, and then there's a few books also that, like I said, we'll mention in the comments, but I, I want to pray for us, but Jessica, do you got anything to say? It's a good word. I was just thinking about how if we treat ourselves and others like we're temples of the Holy Spirit, like we are walking around with God in us, then... It changes how we treat ourselves. It changes how we treat other people as well. So just something to think about as we go. Um, so maybe, um, do you have any questions for him? Uh, um, yeah. So the question. question I had for you, I just didn't want to do something before Travis was done. Um, the question I have for you is, you know, what would you, how would you treat someone differently? If they were the temple of God. Um, then maybe you do. What would you, you know, often when I think about if I went into a, a temple where God was in there, I probably wouldn't be looking for what's wrong with it. <laughs> I would be looking for God. 
And so that's what I would do. That's how I'm going to answer my questions as I've been thinking about it. I would, I would be looking for God in people. And if I was being led around by the love of Jesus Christ, then I would be looking for God. Because when Jesus was on the earth, he was looking for what his sorry, <laughs> um, he was looking for what his father was doing and doing that. And so, um, so just maybe sit around with those with you after we finish here and just, um, just share what maybe you would do differently if you treated others and yourself um, like you were a temple of the Holy Spirit of God that God was in you. Um, and, and we do pray for freedom from all sexual immorality. And there's, you know, it is something that tries to tear us down and make us um, not know who we are and not know who our Savior is. So our prayer for you is that you would know who you are. You would know who set you free. Mm -hmm. So let's pray. Father, uh, I pray for anyone watching this Lord that you would just give them full that they would be full of grace and power Lord to to overcome their struggle with their sexual immorality Lord and, and Lord I just say it's not it's not theirs Lord it's not part of who they are in Christ it's not part of their inheritance so they don't have to accept it as who they are God that it's been crucified on the cross, Lord, and that, Lord, I just declare a breaking off of the power of sexual immorality right now in Jesus Christ, Lord. For every hungry heart, Lord, longing to be set free, I declare freedom right now in Jesus' name. I declare prison doors being flung open and that wide open spaces coming up before you that your eyes are opened and that you see your inheritance in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness, the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I declare of you, you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living and you will eat off of the fat of the land and you will dwell in prosperity and you will abide in the house of the Lord forever. The Father God loves you. And he loves you so much that he gave his son to die for you. That you might be brought near to him, reconciled and set free and redeemed. We thank you that it's for freedom that Christ came to set us free, Father. We thank you for making it all possible through the blood of your son, Jesus. Amen.